Welcome to episode five of Under Exposure, a podcast for creatives by creatives, hosted by Ian Harrington. Hello. Manny Aqua. Hey, hey. And me, Carrie Helton. Uh, on episode five, we are super stoked to invite another San Diego uh filmmaker and producer onto the show. Um, this gentleman has created his own film uh, film and production business. He has won several Addy Awards. He's won Telly Awards. This guy is stacking metal uh, over there <laughs> at his company, Helium Films USA. Uh, super pumped to have him on the show. And Thierry, welcome. Uh, Thierry Dennis, ladies and gentlemen. Thank yeah, you very yeah, much yeah, for having yeah, me, yeah. guys. It's an honor to be on the podcast. I mean, I've, uh, yeah, I've listened since the beginning. It's really cool what you guys are doing. So hey. Thank you. That's awesome, Terry. Appreciate yeah, the kind words. Glad to have man. you, man. Appreciate it, man. Uh, so, yeah, Terry, we, we wanted to dive in a little bit, man. Talk about the, the beginning stages of uh, Helium Films, how that all kind of got started, and then talk a little bit about where you're at today, you know, here in the San Diego creative, you know, professional space. Uh, so, yeah, man, we'll, we'll jump in and... Tell us a little bit about how it all got started. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so originally I'm French. Uh, I grew up in Paris, I mean, on the suburbs of Paris. And I moved here to San Diego in 2011. Uh, I started the company about 2013. Uh, basically, if you want the medium short version of uh, the whole the whole way that what, what got me here is that, uh, so in 2009, I was doing a documentary on the wall between the US and Mexico called The Walls of Shame. They mm -hmm. can find online, actually, if you type the walls of shame in my name, you can watch it. Uh, it's a 52-minute do documentary on uh, the wall in between the U.S. and Mexico, but also the wall between uh, uh, the West Bank and Israel and, you know, mm -hmm. kind of talking about the wall of Berlin, basically. Uh, the idea was to analyze what happened, you know, between the fall of the Berlin Wall and 2009, where, you know, in 1990, when the... when when the Berlin Wall fell, you know, it felt like, you know, the whole of Europe and the world was opening up and, you know, the borders are going to be a thing, we're going to be a thing of the past and, you know, everybody could travel and all that good stuff. And in between, you know, a lot of walls got erected. And so in 2009, 20 years after, uh, you know, the fall of the Berlin Wall, you know, we, we asked ourselves, you know, what, what what's happening and why are those, you know, walls are being built again. And so mm -hmm. that brought me to San Diego and Tijuana where I met my wife or the, mm -hmm. the woman later became my wife. And so we moved back to France together and then eventually decided to move back to the States in 2011 uh, when we settled here. Uh, nice, wow. I, I started the company Helium Films in 2013. So for about two years, it was working freelance here in uh, San Diego. Uh, I got a job at some point at a TV station to be a producer for documentaries, for 30-minute documentaries, and then eventually started the company in 2013. Um, so what we do is, uh, I mean, what we're trying to focus on lately, at least the last couple years, is high-end commercials. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, we've done everything under the sun from, you know, corporate videos to promos for product, for people, for services, for anything. But basically, commercial, commercial work is the, you know, is the, the focus, and we're trying to do that in a way that is, you know, high-end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... Go ahead, Ian. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, the examples that I always see of your work, like the William Painter stuff, like stuff, and those ads are, are great. And I, I think it is like a, um, 
exceptional example of like work that can be done within San Diego with large brands that are in San Diego. Like there are certainly opportunities here, and you, you know your company is is uh, one of uh, the few that's taking advantage of it. So it's it's really cool to to um, to see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I mean I think San Diego has a lot to offer in lots of different ways. You know. Uh, it's not in the LA, right? There's not the, the, the big, big brands and the big agencies that you would find there, but there's still like a lot of super creative people and, you know, both oh, yeah. you know, in the production side of things and in the, you know, in the marketing world, in the agencies, you know, people are just, you know, just want to do good stuff. And, you know, it's a small community. So in a way, it's also a lot tighter, I want to say, than a lot of other places. Yeah, man. So, um, Terry, after you did the Walls of Shame project, you were in San Diego, Tijuana area, met the wife and then moved back to Paris. And then when, when you guys came back to the US, you, you picked San Diego, you know, probably for, for some of the reasons we, we were just talking about, but um, why, not, uh, uh, why not New York? Why not LA or some other city to, you know, try to establish a, you know, a film or production business? Mm -hmm. Uh, well, I mean, that's a really good question because at the time it was definitely an option, you know, for uh, for us to move to some somewhere else. I mean, my wife is not from here originally. She was living here for three years, about three years when we met, and uh, but she's from Kansas City. Mm. So we didn't really want to go back to Kansas City, uh, and, but we could have gone to New York. We could have gone to L.A. We could have gone to, you know, to other other places. Uh, my thinking at a time was like a mix of different things. Well, obviously, one, we had some connections, some, you know, she had some friends here, she had some kind of a community here. So it's of, always easier to move to a place where you already know people, right? Just right. Sure, man. make your life easier. Uh, but at the same time, the idea was that, you know, I had never worked in the U.S. I spoke English, obviously, pretty good. Uh, but still, I had a lot of, you know, I, I wasn't speaking the way I speak today. Um, and so, you know, vocabulary, even like, you know, working with crews, working with clients, I had never done that in the U.S. You know, I had done mm -hmm. it in France prior, uh, but it's just different, you know, it's different words, but it's also a different culture, different ways to interact with people, right? There's different expectations. Totally. And so, so it was a little, you know, uh, challenging in that regard, or at least, you know, a little scary for me. And, mm -hmm. and so there's the idea of like, okay, well, do I try to jump into the big ocean right away and go to LA, for instance, uh, mm -hmm. you know, where I'm gonna be a very, very tiny fish, you know, <laughs> but, you know, in a place where there is, to be fair, a lot of opportunity. Or sure. do I go to San Diego where in, you know, in the first place we have connections, we have a community. I personally like the city a whole lot better than I like LA. Yeah. Uh, it is beautiful. And, yeah, it's beautiful. And, 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 you know, there's more of a chance and an opportunity to be, you know, a little bigger fish in a smaller, you know, smaller <laughs> pond. I, I can't right. remember the exact, <laughs> the exact, <laughs> right. yeah. but uh, you know, there, that, you know, I could find my place uh, mm -hmm. you know, maybe easier. And, and I mean, you know, after it's been 10 years now, almost 10 years, nine years. And nice. I mean, I, I can say confidently that that was, you know, that was definitely a good choice. I obviously, I don't know what I would have done had I moved to LA or New York or to a bigger city like that. But one, I think that, you know, my quality of life would have been worse. That's pretty, yeah. pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think at least at the beginning, you know, maybe nine years later, it would have kind of even out. But I think at the beginning, it would have been a lot harder, you know, because it's, oh, yeah. it's just a lot. Well, it's of like finding, 
Yeah, it's like finding the the most fertile ground to plant the seed, you know, where it's like, okay, where even though obviously, like you said, there are huge opportunities in LA and New York, you know, but without the right connections, it's harder to get to those opportunities. And, you know, it there's the like you just said, Terry, the level of competition, you know, is exponentially greater in markets like that. Um, So, you know, I think it's brilliant that, you know, choosing a place like San Diego, where there is a high level of opportunity, uh, again, you know, a strong kind of foundational network that you have here, uh, you know, and just me being a huge fan of the city, right? I'm, I, I think that was an, an awesome choice. And I think San Diego's better off for having you here. Man. Definitely. Uh, wow. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's definitely advantages of, of not going to those larger cities we, we i think we talked about this uh, let alone the traffic yeah let alone the traffic <laughs> and quality quality of life but yeah. also yeah like we're saying too having those those connection being able to connect with people directly like Correct. in a city that you're you're close to and maybe already have like some personal relationships like that's a, a smart business move as well uh, if you want to climb that ladder a little bit faster and not have to not necessarily be at the bottom of the rung, but um, you know you're 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 not down there as long. At least that's always my experience too with with San Diego. In in comparison, um, you get to meet like we obviously all met pretty quickly and yeah. are able to like excel um, at our our own field. So I, I feel that in comparison to like larger cities or New York or L.A. like probably would have set me back. Uh, maybe like another three years even mm-hmm. from being in the position I'm at or and the monetary gain as well so definitely. I think definitely it depends I, I think it depends what you're you know trying to achieve obviously but you know there is some things that deal that are only in LA or in New York for right. instance you mm-hmm. know like if if your goal is really to work on you know feature films only for instance you know there's not there's very there's none of that in San Diego so or right. in, in, in a lot of smaller city right or they yeah. come from outside so so that's probably not a good idea to to, to right. move to a smaller city uh, in my case I was already doing commercial work before I was doing corporate work before and that obviously you know there's companies and 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 agencies and people need to market stuff everywhere right yeah mm-hmm. small city is in big city and you know video is just such a at that point in time it's just such a needed uh, format for you know advertising anything that you know you'll find clients in even very very small markets you know then it's just about whether you're able to capture that that volume uh, you know that makes it sustainable or whether you mm-hmm. you know or if you can't but yeah and that that's a, another beauty you know or, or another beautiful thing about a, a place like San Diego is that we are still super close to the source right which is LA right and, you know we're two and a half hour you know sprint uh, we can be in LA for a larger project or you know something like that something higher level that we may not necessarily find here in San Diego um, or, but, or, or so, even so you come even geographically sorry to interrupt even geographically no, no. you you go two two uh, hours east and you're in the mountains another another right. hour you're in the yeah. desert I know uh, three hours north same thing like you have different you're versatile you go 20 minutes south you got Mexico now you're in a whole another world so that's yeah. also like the, the beauty of San Diego too I mean for us that that like the culture that like that vibe you know yeah <laughs> and while it's like we were joking earlier about it being like so freaking hot like oh, yeah it, it really is like one of the biggest advantages of being in Southern California is the weather like if you go somewhere Definitely. else to shoot 
like I'd say 200 days out of the year here, your production's gonna move forward. That's not the case in other parts of the country or the world where it's like, yeah, weather just changes and like, you know, you get get like held up on stuff like that. Um, You know, it's not a huge game changer, but it definitely messes up sometimes. So Terry, um, so you come to San Diego, come to San Diego, find fertile ground here. Uh, You start Helium Films. Um, what were some of the biggest challenges for you early on kind of getting helium That's up off question. the ground? Uh, no pun intended, I think, <laughs> on that, but get, getting the, the company rolling. <laughs> uh, what, were, what were some of the biggest challenges up front? Well, I mean, it was it was the, you know, I, a continuation, I guess, of the challenge that I had, you know, moving here is just, you know, by then I had been in town for like two years or something. So, you know, I had built up a network, but not nice. that dramatically. And, you know, a company needs clients. Right. And so I had I had done a bunch of different things. I was starting at the time to get a, a pretty decent network of, of uh, people to work with, you know, and crews and talents and that kind of stuff. Uh, but clients was, you know, a little bit more difficult because, mm-hmm. you know, you got to go out there and find them and, you know, maybe they're, they're not your friends. Mm-hmm. You don't hang out with yeah. them, you know, and, but you still, <laughs> you still need, you know. So I didn't know that many, you know, marketing director, agency owner, that kind of people back then. So that was definitely the, 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 the struggle a little bit was to find that clientele. And so I did two things at the time that, that, you know, that kind of allowed me from the first, I want to say six months to a year to ramp up pretty quickly, or at least, you know, get again to a sustainable level pretty quickly, is that I got an office within a photography studio. Nice. Uh, uh, a few, you know, a few months earlier, I had started giving classes, like video class and f- photography classes within that studio uh, with the owner of the studio who had a, a photography class business. And hmm. so, and I figured, you know, if I'm gonna, you know, start my own thing, uh, one, it's good to have a space, right, to where mm-hmm. where clients can come. It's better if it's a studio because I can I can shoot some stuff. And then third, you know, it's great to be next to a photography business because you know we're not in competition, but we're definitely in the same field, so you know we yeah. can help mm. each other. Uh, you know, and so quickly, you know, I referred some business to him. He referred some business to me. So that you know that got me started in some ways. Um, and then, and then the other thing that I did at the time is that, you know, when you start a new company, you don't have necessarily things to show for, especially if before that you were working freelance, you know, even as a director or producer, you know, you've worked for other companies and it's kind of tricky to, you can't really just take the stuff that you've done for somebody else and say, oh, this is our company, you know, exactly uh, stuff. Right. Um, so when I was in France. I worked with uh, a guy uh, there for a long time who had started Helium Films France six years uh-huh. earlier. And so I was about to start my company here and I was like, you know what, I, you know, having some, some uh, you know, foundation that are broader than just me, Thierry, you know, just starting this thing would be good. And so I reached out to him and I said, hey, you know, do you mind if I set up the, you know, the U.S. branch of your company and we, you know, have a partnership? I mean, we had worked together for, you know, six, seven years before. We're, very, mm-hmm. we're still a good friend to this day. We still work together to this day. Uh, and so, you know, we we created two different entities because the the legality of having like right. a, one thing was was complicated. Uh, so to, as of today, there's you know Helium Films USA and there's Helium Films France. 
Um, mm. We don't do stuff, you know, cross-border, cross-Atlantic mm -hmm. that often, you know. Uh, turns out that our clients on both sides of the Atlantic are fairly different. It's, it's rare that there is a, you know, a good mix. But we have, I mean, we did, a, we did a thing, a corporate video a few years ago that took us to Brazil and Vietnam and the U.S. And, like, we did, like, a whole world tour together. Uh, and, and we still try to do stuff. Uh, together, uh, in any case, uh -huh. it's it's a you know it's a great you know there's there's still sy synergy and and we help each right. other you know in different ways, um, right. but the 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 main point that the reason why I was telling that story is that at the time that also allowed me to have credibility quickly. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. When mm -hmm. I first started the the company, is to go, be able to go see clients and say, hey, you know, I'm an established company, even though you know that branch just started like a month ago and established you know I have a, a portfolio already I have a real mm -hmm. turns out I mean the the stuff that that I put in the American world were stuff that I had produced back in France anyway so right. it mm -hmm. was mine uh, in lots of ways because I had produced it uh, but it was owned by you know even film France um, so yeah it just gave me a lot of credibility very quickly and so mm -hmm. that allowed to ramp up. So the, you know, those two things, like the office and the, you know, and the name and the portfolio, were the, you know, kind of the, the things I did when I first started that made it a little easier. I those think are that's two... huge, man. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. That that's huge. Why? Because it 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 comes to show that you had the mentality to to put a step forward and say, you know what, I I'm going to I'm going to invest in my project and my craft and my career. And also tr that that building that network, that relationship, and and thriving from it to to bring it into the United States and then benefit from it. like it, it just comes to show that that confidence was there from the get go. And what my my takeaway, what I'm saying is that you have to believe in yourself. You know, you have to put that effort and that in time investment and and everything like that to 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 set that forward and, and to get you started then everything else will start coming like a ripple effect you know what i mean yeah yeah i, I also think the mutual beneficial like that idea lot, of, of, of like yeah syncing up with those uh your your counterparts in france as well as a, yeah. a photographer here that's that's a perspective i haven't heard before and i think that's really cool more of a, a business it's global, uh, perspective, you know? yeah, of just being like, or even if it was local, and like if we're talking about San Diego or wherever you're from, like as a individual, the you know coming up, you need to have that mindset, like exactly, you need to not latch on to a, another person, but like reach out to people and say like, I'm doing this, how can you help me? We're both in the same field. There's no competition here, but that is a great method of like. I'm just starting. Like, what can I do to like, like ramp up this? Because you don't want to be taking long to to get right. to like a basic point. Like, you need to be making money to like right. get out the door, become a legitimate a business. business. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know that that's the business part of it. That's really cool. And 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 yep. as as far as working with those big corporate clients, that is a, a a much easier way to actually get your foot in the door when you say, hey. We have a production as well in France, you know, in different countries, mm -hmm. et cetera. And where, where do you need to work? You know, we got you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was in, definitely, in, it, was, it was interesting because it was definitely, I could very much, these days I don't really mention it that much. I mean, it's yeah. on the website if you look it up, but, um, 
back then I was definitely using it as like a selling point, right? Saying like, especially I was like, you know, I'm what, I'm 34 now, so it's like 24, so it's like a little young, not 24, it's 28. It's a little young, you know, I was, I was addressing, you know, marketing directors in their early 40s. And right. so, you know, it was, you know, there's definitely that, that, that this can, you know, that of trust, course. right? Of course. To mm -hmm. build. And, and so that was, I was, I was playing it up quite a bit, even, even with clients where there was, <laughs> no reason because they were local to San Diego say you know yeah. didn't have anything but it just it did give that 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 initial trust I mean I mm -hmm. think you know as, as like a, a general thing or I, I guess general advice I think you know building that 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 trust you know that that relationship with obviously mm -hmm. your crew and your partners and your colleagues but very much with your client is like it's, it's like fundamental to any you know any business in general and very much in in production where you know you don't have a set product to show you know I can't if mm -hmm. you come to see me and you're like oh I want to you know advertise my whatever service or product I can't just pull out you know a pair of sunglasses like William Penn can and yeah. be like hey just hold it is it cool do you like it yes okay buy it it's not like that it's like you gotta mm -hmm. trust me that I'm gonna be able to understand your product I'm gonna understand your company your ecosystem your 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 you know your sales your uh, strategy whatever it is that I'm gonna understand that and be able to translate it into a you know a powerful engaging you know uh, production and that you know, I mean, it's all trust. Yeah, yeah and we, the the relationship with the client, especially, is you know something we've dived deep into on previous episodes. But I think every yeah every episode it comes up that we are in the relationship business. You know, as, as creatives, yeah, as creatives generally, and you know, as video production and photography guys more specifically, we are constantly building these relationships with our clients. And Thierry, I think you might have just given the best explanation as to why that is, is because they are having to trust us with, you know, their, the final product of what we're producing, but also their entire marketing vision, uh, you know, the sales that they're going to be leveraging from our efforts, all of these things at the end of the day kind of rest in our hands uh, for the creative work that we're going to produce for these guys. So again, you know, it is always 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 about continuing to deepen that relationship with the client you know make sure that they trust you and for good reason you know because you're going to do great work for them and you're going to help them achieve their objectives and you know you're going to manage gonna that be, dollar visually too <laughs> absolutely man but you're, you're going to be the solution to that problem which is what we're trying to do exactly. at the end of the day um but one other thing i wanted to touch on terry uh that that you said before um it it seems that early on you were able to identify your like the two largest targets the two biggest challenges for yourself and find the most efficient ways to to get past those those challenges right so you know one being the studio space you hacked that whole process right mm -hmm. by yeah. just getting into somewhere where people are already coming in for that type of you know work uh, you've got somebody you're working like literally in the same building with that you can refer you know clients to each other and stuff like that so you hack that like super efficiently and then the credibility side right which is you know okay i don't have a ton of you know stuff from the area or from you know america that i can use to get business so you know again hacking it and reaching out to helium films uh 
France ha- or hacking Paris. Hacking it and owning it. Yeah, so, yeah, hacking it by reaching out to Helium uh, Films France and, and creating a, a separate branch of that business here in the U.S., it, it all just seems... It's correct. Um, yeah, executed like very meticulously and like intelligently, right? So again, man, just more credit to you, obviously, for for being able to figure those out. But I I think it's important for me, obviously, because I'm like saying this out loud. I'm trying to understand <laughs> it myself, right? So I think it's important for us and for the the viewers to yep. understand that if you can identify those challenges and find a way to efficiently overcome them, mm-hmm. you can really speed up the initial process of getting the ball rolling with the company. Right? And climbing the ladder, like Ian says. Yeah, yeah. So, so Terry, did you like in, in forming, prior to forming uh, Helium Films and, and, and working in production, did you have like any business kind of like courses that may have led you to that? Or, or was that just like being like efficient and, and, and doing the research? Because I think that is something I mean, I get asked a lot where people are like, wow, you're like, you're doing well in business, but you don't take any business courses. I, I mean, is that something that you would recommend or, or again, like what, what was your journey to, to have that happen? Yeah, it's definitely not my, my journey, the, the, the business aspect. I mean, I went to, uh, I started doing like video production classes when I was in high school, then I went to, uh, I'm trying to think the equivalent here, like it kind of very technically technical driven um, yeah. to your school that taught me cinematography. And then I went to college to get like a regular college to get a, um, a bachelor in cinema. So it would like a way more like theory and stuff like that about like, you know, mm-hmm. the history of cinema and that kind of stuff. Um, then from that, I mean, as I was doing that, I was starting to work and, you know, get internships and work. I, I worked at a studio for a long time at mm-hmm. the very, 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 very bottom of the ladder where I was like studio manager, which meant that I would get there at 6 a.m. and like do shit work all day, repaint the <laughs> studio, you know, bring coffees to the production yeah. and all that stuff. And so be the first there and the last to leave at yeah. like, you know, sometimes like one in the morning and you repeat that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I did that. And then I, I started working with Helium Film Friends. And so I, you know, I, I, I shot stuff, I edited stuff, I then produced stuff and directed stuff. Uh, mainly in France, I did mainly uh, corporate work. Uh, So a lot of corporate clients and, you know, and then I moved to the U.S. and I told you that part of the story already. Um, I think, you know, I mean, I I, I learned a little bit about business, actually, probably, you know, working in a corporate uh, environment, doing corporate films. uh, You know, that definitely taught me a a, a few things, you know, because obviously, you know, in this case, you're talking with the CEOs and, you know, and the CMOs and like the top executives of companies that those were the people that we were typically interviewing. Right. Um, so, you know, they have stuff to say and they have knowledge and, you know, and you discuss with them. And so, you know, there's a little bit there that I think I, I learned. And then, and then, you know, a lot of reading and, you know, just researching. I mean, when I, when I, before I, I started my company here in the U.S., I mean, I had no idea of anything, you know, administrative-wise, tax-wise, oh, yeah. what, you know, what was Ooh. the company's. I, I, I did do a shit ton of research just to make sure that I would do things, you know, properly and not, you know, and not have the IRS, you know, knock on my door. After and shoot yourself in the foot, right? Yeah. There is a, uh, 
there, there's a young Frenchman making a ton of fucking money and not reporting any of it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so obviously, you know, you have help, you have people. I mean, I would say, I, I, I don't know that you need a, you know, a business. I think, I think there's two uh, video production company owner, to be honest. I think there is, a, a, that's my experience throughout. There's either you have the business... Uh, the business-minded ones, the ones that have mm -hmm. gone to business school, uh -huh. and that's you know they've been in in executive positions before, and they just thought, hey, I also love video production, and so and I see an op a business opportunity there, so I'm gonna you know I'm gonna I'm gonna go that route, and those companies tend to do a lot more. Uh, you know, volume on like say a niche or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. And then, and then you have people like me and like you guys probably, uh, mm -hmm. who are you know come from the video production world. You know, grew up watching movies and wanting to you know make movies, and then eventually you're like, oh yeah, but you know we can do that and we can be creative, maybe even within a, a more commercial environment, right. and still make money and you know and not be a starving artist. And and you know and and then those people kind of learn you know the business aspect on the on the go. I mean, I would mm -hmm. say there's a good it's a good you know seventy thirty percent you know in favor mm -hmm. of the the creatives. Uh, but but you really have both. Uh, so no, I don't think you need business you know experience, but you do need sure. to do your research. That's for sure. Because again, you can like definitely shoot yourself in the foot if you if you set Absolutely. up a, a company or a project wrong. You know. I, yeah, I and, and if you're and if you're not, you know, if you're not the the business minded type, and you are, you fall into that heavy, heavy creative side where you know doing the administrative stuff makes you feel like your head's going to explode. Then that may be one of the challenges that you look to hack, right? Like you were saying before, Terry, where maybe you get in good with somebody who is really great at the business thing, but doesn't necessarily have a product or service that they can have a business for, and then all of a sudden now you're this raw you know, talent that can, you know, be launched by somebody who is more right. adept at the business side. Right. So um, even even like little things like when money is coming in, when to put money aside to to have money for those type of people that if you don't have that business aspect or business mentality, you need to hire someone, you need to pay someone to do to help mm -hmm. you out with, you know, the books or where is my money going? How am I making profits? Mm -hmm. Do I have to raise my prices? Do, like what is going on? Like I, I see the money coming in, but I don't see it stacking up in my account. Something's wrong. Get, get to hire someone, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. That's important. Yeah. That's why most people tend to like be a, as you mentioned, you know, Terry, a starving artist and don't and don't do the diligence of, of figuring out the business side of things. Right. And if, if you can't do it yourself and you don't have the money to hire somebody, look at somebody to partner with. You yeah. Know? Again, some, somebody else who is who is also trying to cut their teeth and, you know, make a way for themselves. Uh, it's funny how even even the, the business minded people and the creative people both have that, you know, entrepreneurial drive, you know, where they're they want to make something for themselves. They want to do what they love for the creative. It happens to be the, you know, the the production or design or whatever it is for the business person. They want to do that. They want to dive into the numbers. You know, they want to do all these other things. So, um, Thierry, uh, bring us into present day a, a little bit with helium films USA. What's that looking like now? Um, as far as, you know, projects that you've got going on, uh, maybe challenges that you're, you know, you face today as a, as a growing, uh, film production company. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, go it's going pretty well. Uh, I mean, considering the, the state of the world, you know, mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. like everybody else, the, the, you know, the whole shutdown and, I mean, the continuation of that situation is making it a little harder, right? Um, How'd you pivot? So during the full lockdown, I, I was lucky that I had a couple of projects you know already signed on that were you know i had one big one that was all animation so you know mm -hmm. that doesn't matter i can do it in distance uh, right. i had i had one that was supposed to shoot right before uh like literally two days before they you know they locked down everything that uh we managed with one of my dp to do fully remotely so i basically i shot it was for a product for shoes uh, so originally we we're gonna do it, you know, like at, in La Jolla outside with talents and like a mm -hmm. normal crew, right? And we couldn't do that, so I did some of it. And it's like a like a series of videos too. Uh, I did some of it at home with my wife and myself. Uh, I did uh, my DP did some of it by himself with his wife at his place. Mm -hmm. Turns out it's good because his wife is an actress, but she's also a filmmaker. So, you know, they could, swap, they could swap roles. <laughs> yeah. and it was for like women and men. So we had to swap roles. So I had to teach my wife, who's not at all a filmmaker, how to operate <laughs> my red and stuff. I mean, it was oh, like, it's, wow. it's cool. It, 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 it was cool. It was like a, it was an interesting project as far as like, you know, figuring out way to like, you know, work to, stuff up. So that to explain still... this to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's seen me. She's seen me enough. And I've explained course, stuff enough course. over the years that, you know, she, she get the gist. But like literally like I was, the, I was trying to do a, a push in. Right. So I have a slider and, you know, and she needs to push while focusing right was like racking focus and she tried a couple of times as is really i mean you know it's a, it's a difficult move to do for oh like an dude yeah that's experience. like an advanced move be like all right for your first time what you're gonna do is push in and, it's all and rack it, focus you, you gotta do yeah. hand-eye coordination and you can't <laughs> fuck yeah. it up okay it's tough. <laughs> it's tough, man. so so yeah so we managed to like do so that was one project that was that was interesting um, I had a, well, I had a the William the new William Painter commercial that actually just got released uh, a week ago was also supposed to be right before like two, like a week. I think it originally was two weeks before the shutdown, but it was a, a crappy weather at the time, and we're advertising sunglasses, so we needed sun, and um, and so we had to push it, and eventually they shut down, and we're like, all right, well now we really have to push it, and so we, mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't until like like a month ago that we, you know, we were able to shoot it. So we had to postpone that. Uh, the beginning, I mean, the beginning was kind of scary because, you know, I could see all my clients, you know, saying, all right, we're going to, you know, we're going to take a break. We're going to pause everything. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to do anything right now. So, yeah, I mean, that was that was scary. Now, like, you know, last month or so, it's been, you know, starting back up again. I mean, we did a few stuff. Definitely not as, as busy as, as it should be, uh, mm -hmm. but you know, we're managing to do, you know, still, still go out and shoot, you know, being safe, wearing masks, trying to keep our distance, sanitizing our hand every two minutes, and the gear and all that good stuff. So, right, right, yeah. awesome, man. Yeah, I'm, I was curious because you know, I we try not to beat it to death because that's all anyone ever hears about right now is you know, wow, the coronavirus is affecting <laughs> my business, and we try not to like beat it to death but you know i think it is it is still um 
you know, we, we've got usable insight, right, as to how we've all kind of dealt with it. So I, I think it's it's always interesting to ask, you know, and, and see how people have been able to move around it. You know, the, the, there's this old expression that, you know, as soon as times get hard, marketing budgets are the first to go, blah, blah, blah. And um, I think I think a lot of, you know, that's still true for the most part. But at the same time, you know, I've seen and Ian, I, I know, you know, you you saw some kind of growth during that time where, yeah, it was a little scary for a minute, but people were getting creative and, and saw that as an opportunity to go even deeper into content, you know, in some cases. So uh, there, there was definitely some some opportunity out there, but uh, definitely scary stuff, too. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, want- I think it actually, you know, talking about like our community mm-hmm. as well, like I reached out to Thierry directly and a couple other people and it, it definitely was one of those things where when I look back on it now, I mean, and we started the podcast too, mm-hmm. like looking back on it now, it was a, a really big advantage in coming to realize just how interconnected we are as a uh, industry in this, you know, little big city and literally just reaching out. I mean, I've gotten work through reaching out now. and. Mm-hmm also made these connections so I'm like not that I'm obviously glad Corona happened or not uh, glad Corona happened but it, you know you, you adjust you adapt and you got to look for those all the, the plus signs that came up from from uh, you know being limited in some way mm-hmm. yeah that was that was one of the first things I know we all latched on to was like hey we've got this network we've yeah. got this community and and we can reach out and help each other and like, actually not? Terry you yeah, you guys were a big part of that, you know, by by having putting together calls, you know, with with other creatives in in San Diego and figuring out how we can come up with solutions. The craziest thing was that honestly, we're like we were all on the same wavelength, like literally because like we didn't talk about like creating the podcast, but you guys were already, you know, planning the 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 broadcasting webinar or the meetup that you guys did, and we were already on like episode two or creating episode mm-hmm. two. So it was like, kind of. I mean, when you're on that wavelength, I mean, Kerry can mm-hmm. probably relate to this one. When you're on a connected wavelength of like that positive mental attitude of like we're gonna get this done. This is. The boom, 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 boom. I mean, you know what I mean? Like it gets yeah. done. It's crazy how that works, but it, it works, man. It, it really does. It, yeah. Cra- and again, just one more thing unique to San Diego or that I think is unique to San Diego is, you know, that, that willingness to support, Yep. Uh, you know, every, nobody, nobody, not one person was like looking out for me, you know, and only me. It was everybody I talked to in our industry was like, yo, how can I help? Like, maybe you could, maybe I could throw this your way. Like, do you know anybody who could do X? You know, it was just constantly supportive um, and everybody trying to move the, the ball forward. And again, building man, bridges. Diego, just, I think, yeah, I think, you know, you know, I think, you know, that to me, it's not, it's, it wasn't COVID, right? It's mm-hmm. just, it, mm-hmm. it is very much, uh, you know, how the, 
the you know video production film community in San Diego is. I mean, you know, the the call that that we first met on that I, that I set up was something that started actually a, a year and a half before, uh, right? You know, with other creatives in town, and the whole idea we had started that was Ten Stories. Ten Stories, another you know uh, re really awesome commercial video production company in town, and mm -hmm. you know the owner and I had talked about like trying to do something together that will bring people uh you know other other production company owner and maybe some crew members some just influential people of the world of video production around the same table so that we could try to figure out ways to grow the the community uh in san diego you know and that was a year and a half ago and and very much back then as of as today you know it was always like the mentality anybody that i personally reached out to were always the same as what you described mm -hmm. you know they they were all like oh yeah cool yeah let's do this i mean i know that personally i probably know you know i'm i, I i'm friend uh, i'm friendly i'm friend i have acquaintances with like you know 70 percent of the people who, who work you know doing commercial video production in san diego uh, mm -hmm. and you know sometimes i actually know for a fact that there's projects that we've you know both bid on together and that i've lost or some other times that i've won and that's cool you know i mean that's the you know that 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 shouldn't we are competitors but that shouldn't mm -hmm. you know prevent us to exchange and you know and it's very important because you know from the business aspect of things you know understanding what you can what you can do like for instance recently with ab5 uh, or to the to you know finding a crew member you know I need a I need a gaffer for tomorrow do you have somebody to recommend my guys are not you know are not available mm -hmm. or you know I need that I mean I know like for instance I'm on next week I have a remote shoe in Seattle uh, so I, ne I needed to set up an interview there. I don't know anybody there. I asked one of my, um, you know, a guy that I work with on a regular basis. And he gave me a contact of somebody, and now I can do my shoot in Seattle and make my client happy, and everybody's happy, you know, and that person's right. great. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, you need connections to move forward. You need those relationships to be able to build stuff, you know. Uh, you need mm -hmm. those connections to grow even, you know. Like, say tomorrow, you know, you're, you're starting small, and you're doing stuff, you know, just you and one or two other person, but then tomorrow you get that big client where mm -hmm. you know now you need to ramp up production to like a 20 people crew right. or you know 30 or 40 what are you gonna do you need a <laughs> what are you gonna do you need to find those people right i mean you need to find those people you need to you need to know what to do to make it all legal safe how to pay i mean the whole back end of production you know how to pay those <laughs> people like insurance that kind of stuff i mean so one you should prepare ahead of time but then having that community of people that you're close to that also allows you to be like hey i have this thing going on can you help are you I available mean, bro yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and, i think that's a great point of like leading in leaning into your network is, is like a huge strength and like not and friendly competition is required like mm -hmm. if you i when i look at like what you're saying competitors in our in our space I'm not looking at them as like a enemy or threat. like somebody that, yeah, or a threat. I'm like, that's awesome what you're doing. Like, can I like help? Or, you know, in some uh, point down the line, maybe we could collaborate um, because yeah, already in my career, I've started to see like even the people that I work with um, on sub crews, now they connect 
and then they're talking good things about you and like i mean the key is just don't be a dick no like, no <laughs> no but like your network is so much smaller than you think oh, no yeah. matter how popular you are the Some world other is man. guy the world yeah like people know you people know you they know you on set they know who you are and i mean you know even with social media like now you can follow people more closely and it's like I mean, I personally, I won't work with people if I'm, I don't really click with them. Like, I don't care how good you are. Like, if you, if we don't click and I can tell that you're like of that A high douche. competitive nature. Yeah. It's like, see you later, man. Like, this isn't going to work because I know. There's like a bunch of people out there that are not not like that, especially in San Diego. And know? very talented and willing to work. And super talented. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that, and I think that's a mental hurdle, right? That, that yeah. you, you have to, you have to get past. And especially if you're from, you know, a different industry or if you've been conditioned to see everything as competition and yeah. zero sum where it's like, if I'm not winning, I'm, I'm losing. losing. <laughs> and if he's winning, like I'm losing. And it, it's, it's not like that, <laughs> you know, it just, that's yeah. not the, that's not the reality. Uh, the reality is there's more opportunity than any of us could handle collectively here. It's, it's about, you know, cultivating the opportunity and finding a way to, you know, monetize it. Yeah. Right. Um, but it, it's a, it's a mental hurdle. We have to get past, you know, in, in our own minds to kind of open our eyes to the fact that, you know, this community exists. If you're not tapping into it, then you're probably doing your own business and your clients a disservice because you won't be able to provide the level of uh, production or, or service that they require. So yeah, Te op open up to that, man, you know, tearing definitely. down, tearing down those mental bridges. Yeah, yeah, right. or the walls of shame. The walls of Get shame. Rid of them. Yeah, the walls of shame. Right. Talking about walls, bro. We gotta tie that in. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, I guess along those lines, Terry, and like, you, you know, you like uh, full transparency. Like, I'm one of those companies where, like, I like edit and I shoot and I direct. Like sometimes. But like you, you hire freelancers, uh, you know, and I, I wonder what your the structure of your business is and how like us talking about community, your relationship with like developing those freelancers in your space, because that's, a, again, a, another big hurdle I think people have. It's like, I'm going to do it all. I'm, I'm the mm -hmm. I'm the one man band. I'm like, well, your band sucks and the, <laughs> the, the, the music you're making is trash. So and I don't want to uh, hear it. <laughs> yeah. Get it in a family band. I rather listen to a family band right now. That, 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 that mental shit. trust like, hurdle you're talking about is definitely big. Yeah. It's like give other people a chance. So I'm, I'm interested to hear yeah. about your network. And I know we've, we've talked about yeah. like DPs you use and like, so yeah, what, what's that about for, for Helium? Yeah, definitely. I mean, for one, I you cannot do things by yourself in in production. It's just mm -hmm. not possible. Like it is a collaboration. Can we repeat that? Can we repeat that? <laughs> yeah, you cannot. You cannot, you cannot do things by yourself. No, you cannot. I mean, you know, you can always do some stuff, but like that's mm -hmm. not that you're not. You know, it is a collaborative environment. You know, there's people that are specialized in in different aspects of a of a project for a reason, and you know, and they, you know, they will bring things to the table. I mean, oh, yeah. so as far as our structure at that point, so I, at some point I had uh, some uh, full time employee. At that point, it's just me uh, since like I want to say last year, I didn't. Um, 
my my full-time employee I had a producer and, a, and an editor who left uh, on their own accord because they wanted to do other stuff and and I kind of questioned at the time whether I should replace it or not and I wanted to see I was at a point where I wanted to steer a bit away from the corporate event stuff that I was doing before uh, and very much focus on the commercial the more higher-end commercial stuff mm-hmm. uh, where it you know, it's less projects, but it's bigger, bigger crew, and it, it, at, at that point, it made less sense to have somebody on the payroll all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's just me full time. However, every single project I do, I have, you know, uh, other people that that come on it. Right? It's mm-hmm. never me by myself doing something. I mean, besides maybe for, you know, during COVID, where I was trying to do it with my wife, and still I hired my wife. You know, I needed a second person at least. Right. That's the Time way. to work. Hey, yeah. Yeah. Take this money, baby. But, <laughs> yeah, but it's never it's never me by myself. I mean, you know, I, I know how to shoot, you know, I can operate my red and I can, you know, I, I lit this thing, you yeah. know, where you see me. This so, frame. you know, I, I, I can I can do some stuff. Right. But like I I'm not an expert. Right. I, I do mm-hmm. work with very talented DP that that will probably do a much better job right now with even that just that simple <laughs> setup than I'm doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sometimes it happens that I have to do things, a little, you know, a little by myself when. But, it, but it's really some something that I did at the beginning a, a lot more, uh, the very beginning. And these days I, I really steer away from that. You know, if 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 there's no budget for hiring a crew, then there's just no budget. That's just you know, yeah. change Period. the creative and let's just do it differently. Right. Right? right. I mean, if you need just one person, just go get one person. You know, I'm not the right person. I'm not the right entity for that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you need to collaborate. I think it's 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 paramount to I, I think production. there's a I think there's a ton of value too in 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 being the conduit for the business and kind of the glue that holds everything together. Mm. Kind of like what you're talking about, Terry, where you can you can look at a project, you can kind of evaluate uh, the size of the crew needed and the different resources it'll take to accomplish. Uh, and then you, you've you got the contacts to be able to pull all of those things together, organize it, you know, do pre-production, you know, shoot the thing and handle post and then turn out this very good piece of, you know, creative work, right? So I, I think there's a lot of value in uh, developing the skills that it requires to be that guy, uh, but then also continuing to position yourself, you know, moving forward to remain that on guy. On the forefront, right? yep. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, do, I think, do you think, I think it gave you it? Oh, sorry, Carrie. Nope, go did, ahead. Did, did, did it give you, do you think Terry gave you an advantage also like in a in a uh, business sense of like scaling too? Because I've talked about this with other people in the sense of like hiring freelancers rather and, and investing in other things like a, a camera or your or your lights that you own rather than being like you know the first step we're going to do is i'm going to hire like three dudes and they're and we're going to crush it and i'm like sometimes that sometimes that works sometimes that works for people but i i i wonder where our our industry is moving in that mindset and maybe again like how helium films developed to getting to utilizing the freelancer world like did you do you find that that's an advantage I mean, I think I think it really depends on what your goal is and what it is that you're producing. Uh, you know, if you if you want to repeat a same style, a same vibe, or even just very much a template of the same video in like a specific niche, for instance, if that's 
that's your goal and that's what your business strategy is, then I think it does make sense to have, and, and you have volume, sorry, mm -hmm. and you have, you know, mm -hmm. you already have a customer base that will ensure volume or you're like, you're pretty certain you can, you can get that volume quickly. Uh, then I think it makes a lot of sense to have, you know, in-house people that are, you know, just cranking that stuff out, right? And I'm yeah. saying that it doesn't mean that it needs to be always the same video, but just even a style, right? Like a the style, a, a yeah. Vibe. Yep. Um, so if that if that's what you're trying to achieve, you want to be recognized for that specific style, that specific vibe, that specific type of project, uh, and you're you know putting all your efforts into doing that, then yes, it makes a lot of sense to have people because you know in house those people uh, will you know one they're eventually going to work great together because they know each other pretty well. Uh, you know they can be a little faster because they have processes in place that that will get, you know kind of streamline right. the the whole production. Uh, so in that regard, you know you can save money. You know and and you know in terms of day rate, right? Like what you're going to mm -hmm. pay a full time employee is much less than what you would pay a freelancer, right? Right. Right. Um, on the other hand, like a freelancer, yeah, that's a, that's more expensive, right? Each project, I mean, I know that every time I, you know, I do the the cost of what what something is going to cost me, basically, I'm, you know, in in relationship to a another company that would have, you know, half of that staff already full time, I'm probably margin, you know, fifty percent less. So yeah, I'm making less. Totally. I'm making less money because you know freelancers their day rate is higher. And yeah. You know, yeah. That's that. Um, which makes sense, right? You don't hire people all the Correct. time. You hire them once in a blue moon. You know they they have a higher day rates. It makes sense. Uh, so so yeah. On the on on the other hand, you know if you if if what you're doing is is not a same you know a similar niche all the time. It's not the same type of product, or you're trying to reach different style, or you know. I mean, it's great to be able to pick different people that are good for that specific project you have. And so, I mean, that's been definitely my philosophy as far as, uh, you know, the way I structure the company. Um, you know, I, I, I'm personally interested in like exploring different styles and different vibes. And I have people that are, you know, that do things better than others in that specific style and so i'm gonna hire you know if i'm have a project like this i'm gonna hire that person and then you know some other people have their uh you know are better at other styles right so i think overall you know the the good thing with like relying on freelancers that can mm -hmm. really play people's um you know skill sets up you know really focus on that and and then get the best the best project out of it, uh, but again, it costs more, and and it does produce also a little bit, a little bit more work, right? It's like anytime I have a project, I mm -hmm. need to staff it, uh, so mm -hmm. it, it makes you know it, it makes for a lot of communication back and forth of like, oh, are you free that day? That day? Oh, the day has changed. You know, let's do, you know. So it's it's kind of yeah. I think that's a really good way to look at it, though, Terry. Where if if you're you know if your business does. A very has a very similar process and and um, creates a very similar product each time where it's just kind of a, a rinse and repeat type deal. Mm -hmm. It may make more sense to have people on payroll where you can just continue to have that high output of a very similar looking product. You know, than if you're a company who has a lot of different you know varying uh, type types of projects feels. where you you may need a totally different look and feel for the next project than you did for the last it may make more sense there 
creatively to have, you know, these freelancers where, okay, this guy really excels in this style. So I'm going to use him for this project as opposed to the next project where I'll probably use this other guy because he has these really, you know, great strengths or she, you know, whatever. Um, but so again, just that perspective of if you're doing a lot of the same stuff, it may be more efficient and, you know, be better for the business to have people in place for that as opposed to a lot of varying projects having, you know, bringing in the right talent for those projects, mm -hmm. right? I think if you're going to hire somebody and that's, you know, I had a, like I said, a producer and editor uh, before and mm -hmm. those, like if you, if you want somebody on payroll and you feel like that's important for <laughs> that's you, the guy. Those, mm -hmm. those are the first two that I would get in the, any production business because you know the producer mm -hmm. yeah. or production manager is gonna you know is gonna uh deal with the whole project and the staffing and you know client relationship that kind of stuff correct and that you you, you have that in any given project right mm -hmm. what exactly you're doing is different but you will need to do that to do production management for any production uh right. and editor i mean you need to edit most of your pro <laughs> project and that and and that can be a i feel like you know there's a little less um there's definitely style involved in editing and right. there's definitely you know editors have their strength and their way of doing things but i feel like it's sometimes it can be a little less visible than say a dp mm -hmm. for instance you know a dp mm -hmm. will, definitely. will definitely have a specific way to light things. I mean, that you that is somewhat recognizable. And while you know there is DPs that are very versatile and do a lot of different styles, you know, often you you'll kind of pick up on it. Um, you know, same with sound and you know other you know <laughs> other other posts on the other crew members on the on a <laughs> set. Um, so yeah, I think it depends on your you know on what what exactly you're you're looking to do, and and two as far as you know as far as you know with the the full time people, the thing is that you got to pay those people right, and and if to you mm -hmm. got to be very com confident and that you're gonna have business that is gonna be mm -hmm. that you're gonna have sustained growth because if you dip mm -hmm. one month yeah you know you still need to pay those people so it makes it, yeah. <laughs> it makes it, yeah. it makes it hard I yep. think when you start. You know, mm -hmm. specifically at the beginning, I would definitely not jump into getting, you know, full timers at the beginning, um, mm -hmm. you know, just create. Yeah, it, I really like the freelance world, too, in the sense of it kind of promotes that concept that we're talking about of like people with different styles. And that that's something I think happens. I mean, you see it a lot where people sell like LUTs or, or they sell the, their knowledge on a style in the sense that like, yeah, you should try to be like this. This is the method. And I, I think that's good. But honestly, people should just do what they think it comes naturally, like maintain your style. Because like what we're saying is if we're living in a freelance world, people will recognize that individual style if they have the eye. Like, like you're saying, like a DP where it's like, dude, this guy shoots fucking wacky, like it's crazy music video style that's for sure a niche right there and like not trying to be like well you need to shoot like this and like stop holding the camera so much stop moving it so much it's like fuck that like someone's gonna hire you because mm -hmm. of your strengths right like don't think of them as weaknesses because you're different and i think the freelance world really supports that uh, I, i've been a huge fan of the freelance world and it's, uh, it's I, and I could relate those. to that with especially like with uh product photography and stuff like people are looking for a specific <laughs> look you know it's like not a lot of people can actually shoot product because it, it requires a specific lighting, specific crispness, etc. So it's like, just trust your instinct, trust your style, keep at it and, yeah, and, and build on style. it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yep. And you know, we, again, we've talked about this a little bit before, but it, it, it's counterintuitive, right. To, to stand out, to be like the only, Mm -hmm. right. You you always kind of want to fit somewhere into that, that not necessarily mainstream, but what is accepted and kind of what everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. What everybody else is doing, you know? Um, so it, it, it can be counterintuitive, but I feel personally that through, through my experience of sticking with my style, you start to see the advantages of differentiation of being kind of separate from, from the pack a little bit, um, and, and being able to deliver on a niche thing or, or, a a more narrow, you know, market segment or, or whatever it is that you're after. Totally. I agree. I I, I agree. I mean, I I think it depends where you, I mean, you got to, I, I, I agree with you, but I think you got to be careful, a bit careful with it too, because you know, it it has its, its benefits and its drawback, right? What you're saying is that, yeah, Mm -hmm. you, you, if you have a specific, very specific style that is somewhat different than, you know, the mainstream, that can be great Mm -hmm. if, you know, if it becomes the trend and that, yeah, if it's sellable, mm-hmm. but, yeah. but at the same time, it's like, okay, you know, I, I mean, I know I've, I've hired people, you know, looking at their reels and stuff and I'm like, all right, you know, sometimes you can, you, you find those people exactly like you described, you know, all their stuff look the same and it may look great, right? But it looks mm-hmm. this way. Well, that's, that's great if I need this project, this mm-hmm. style, but if I don't, then mm-hmm. I'm not going to hire you. So, mm-hmm. right. you know, you may, and, and, yeah. and this, is, this is something else we talk about a lot, Terry, is this growth mindset and, and kind of always learning, right? Always getting better, always kind of discovering a, a new way or building onto what's already existing for you. Um, so I, I totally agree, man. And just that, you know, that speaks again to that point of if you can continue to build doing one thing really well is is awesome but if you can continue to explore other avenues too and and kind of widen your range a little bit then you can catch some of those other opportunities too where you know it may not require that one specific style that you've mastered but you can you know also you know facilitate this other kind of style or you know these other variations it's funny that so I, I definitely it's funny we're talking about point. this because we i had debates with teachers that during school that it's like they would tell you like you have to focus on a certain niche and you have to you have to do that one right you know like you i agree but yeah. as terry is saying like it could be con like it could counterpart you it could hurt you eventually because you're just focused on that thing unless you mm-hmm. really got to the point of mastering the craft which i mean it does take a lot of effort and years to do you know something like that um it's it, it doesn't hurt to be versatile you know to have other avenues yep. of, of experimenting with lighting that are going to show you different ways of doing things and eventually you, if you haven't found your style too you, you'll get there by experimenting that way too so to to both points i think like you know it definitely i agree we have to be we have to master a certain style and a certain craft, but also be open to having versatility and not being afraid of switching it up every once in a while. And I think, I think to me, like the 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 main point where you know, if you take the freelancer's perspective, and just to go back to what we said earlier, is just don't be a dick. That's that, <laughs> yeah. to me, that's like that, like what you guys said. That's that's more important than yeah. than style. It's like be mm-hmm. a good person be you know enjoyable to be around be good mm-hmm. to work with you know 
that's gonna yeah. overcome so much when it comes to even mm -hmm. your skill set. And I think you know, I, I don't know if, if if the people watching are starting, you know, in that world, then definitely that's the one thing to focus on. Be a people's person and be cool to be around with, and you will be hired, even yeah, if you're not the greatest at yet at what you're doing. As long as you do yep. want to learn and you're you know taking steps to to grow. Uh, mm -hmm. If you're if you're a good person, then then you're you're gonna have success. If if you're a dick, then it's just it's just <laughs> good luck. Yeah, you know, like people For are not sure. gonna hire you. You can't to, be to you add, can't be a dick add, in this in this in this industry. Uh, of course not. To add on your point, like even if you're not working in the industry actively, but it is a goal that you want. You know, you take take that <laughs> take that knowledge, take that words of advice from Thierry and please execute it in whatever field it is if you work at walmart if you're here if you're working at mcdonald's if you're working at chick-fil-a wherever <laughs> it is like be a good person and it will reflect back and the the sooner that you even think about it you'll be in those shoes of striving as an as an industry leader etc you know yeah definitely people want to work with people they like yeah Sir, at the yeah. end of the day people want to work with people that they like and that make them feel good about what they're Amen. doing exactly like if you if you can be that guy, you're going to be okay. And, and I mean, in yeah. our industry, I think more, I, I think it definitely applies to Walmart. Um, and yeah, I agree with you. Uh, it applies to everybody. You shouldn't be a dick. But like in our industry, <laughs> think about it this way, you know, like nobody reads a, a resume or, you know, we hire people are hired mm -hmm. because they're referred by somebody else. Like, and oh, he can work. Oh, he's good. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much it. A little bit on reels. Like, yes, you can reach out. You know, I've, I've hired very seldom. Uh, some some people that reached out out of the blue sent me their stuff looked it up it was cool we met but, but still in the meantime we met and if they were not somebody that I had a good vibe with I didn't hire them so right. it it took you know it took their work but very much took their personality uh, and you know everybody that I that I hire you know that I don't know and that didn't reach out it's because they were referred you know there's no like you know there, I mean there's tons of directories and stuff out there but nobody uses them like that's nobody not, uses you know, those that's, right. that's yeah it's so somebody. funny that the yeah and I, I think the 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 technical aspect of the the world that we're in a lot of people that may be starting think like well I'm usually gonna be to myself behind a camera or using equipment right. it's like that that's not true mm -mm. honestly a lot of set time is downtime like you are like focused when you, when the camera's rolling when we're going but outside of that it's a lot of chit chat it's a lot of mm -hmm. chit chat people shooting the shit being like oh, oh cool what do you do oh awesome nice and you're right like if you can't be i, I mean even to like somebody that uh, everybody has different personalities but you kind of have to be a little outgoing mm -hmm. like you kind of have to put your your yourself out there and be like this is me. This is what I do. I'm a cool guy. You're a cool person. Um, let's let let's, let's network. keep working, so, right? Yeah, it, being nice, being outgoing, being helpful on set. I I think you're you're right. Providing like, solutions. Well, beat being a Ian, technically savvy person. Yeah. I'm, Ian, have you? Oh, I'm sorry, Terry. Uh, just real have quick. Have I ever worked with a dick and punched him in the <laughs> face on set? No. Yes. No. <laughs> no. No. I'm curious. Ian, have you done personally? Have you done like uh, like work on that? Because I'll be straight up, man. When we first met, you didn't strike me as the most outgoing type, yeah. right? But yeah. now we we fast forward six seven That's years true. down the road, 
and and bro yeah it's it's night and day from when we first met is that something personally like you worked on yeah i think that's something too like i noticed when i was on set like and i'm sure you guys have in like larger sets like how sets tend to like click together yeah like click start forming on sets it's like oh that's the audio's crew like oh that's the camera department oh here's the director and when i noticed those sets i was like man the camera guys are always a little weird and the same with the the audio guys they're always a, they're a little different and, and grip guys they're they're all in their own thing but the guy that is always the most or not most outgoing but knows how to speak to people is the director he's he's the composer he knows that everybody's strengths and he's also like very articulate and, and, and knows how to approach people in exactly. a manner that that gets them to expose themselves to feel comfortable and provide and the best a, of them too right because you're you're just utilizing those skills right. I'm, I'm sure as a director Terry, you you know that as well and you know that i it's something i definitely had to work on because not mm. being a super outgoing person but Hell, I want to make that money, baby. Like yeah, I'm trying to, boy. I'm trying to get that money. I can smile so, a little, really. I can smile gotta, a little you, bit if you show me them dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it just makes it more interesting because there is some times where you, you meet people that aren't as outgoing on set, and it's it's hard. It's hard to break through and be like, "What you don't understand what I'm saying?" And it's just like, "Yes, no," it, and, and mm -hmm. it's like, "Well, elaborate. Mm -hmm. Like, tell me, tell me why." Um, and, and I think there's big advantages. Not everybody is meant for that, and I'm not saying that's something you should strive for, but it, I, I think it does help. Certainly. The people skills at least, 100%. yeah, for sure. People skills, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm sure there's directors out there that are also very quiet and, and, and don't, and oh, you know, are a little bit yeah. you know, behind the scenes. I don't think but. you get a be you nest, I mean, definitely I think it's a big plus if you do have people skill, you know, like you can, you know, like rally people around you. Uh, that will always help, regardless of actually whether you're, you know, a department head, a director, or even like, you know, at the bottom of the ladder. I think it's always good. Uh, but I don't think it's a necessity, you know. Uh, you know, you don't have just, you know, for the people watching that are, you know, maybe a little not that great at like talking to people right. a little introverted mm -hmm. it's not a necessity i mean you can still you know i've met people on set that were a little introverted but they were still nice they were not dicks mm -hmm. true <laughs> true nice is key nice is key and and they were and they were also professional in the way that you know whenever there's something that they're supposed to be doing they're doing it and they're doing to the best of their ability right and they're putting mm -hmm. putting their entire selves into making this thing whatever that is happen Right. Mm -hmm. If you can do those things, you know, not be a dick, be somewhat nice and and like, you know, be, you know, giving your all to whatever it is you're doing, then you're going to I think that's enough to succeed. And then hopefully, you know, mm -hmm. you know, throughout the years, you'll you'll get more comfortable because, yeah, said is always a bunch of people that you don't know necessarily from the get go. So, you know, you, you kind of forced to an extent to like talk to people. Right. And to be, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, out of your definitely. shell a bit if, if that's like, the way you are originally. So I think you will get mm -hmm. there eventually. But it's not like a it's not like a necessity to make it. It's just a, it's, but it is important. Right. It, yeah. it, it will make it easier if, if you're already like that, right? Right. Totally. Right. Yeah, I, I think it, it definitely, it, again, not, not required, but if you can develop those skills a little bit, uh, I think it greases the tracks for you and makes it just run that much smoother. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a great way yeah. to put it, yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. So, Thierry, uh, 
what what's next what's next for heliums or helium man where 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 are your sights set um I mean, doing more, uh, you know, just growing in the commercial world, right? Like I said, mm -hmm. you know, I started off, I did a lot of corporate stuff back in France. Uh, even when I started the company here, that's, that was a big, big focus just because that's, that's what I could show for, right? I had those stuff, mm -hmm. like, look at my reel, there's a lot of corporate stuff. I know how to do this. I knew how to, like, you know, speak the language of the executives, you know, to tell their story in a matter that's compelling that works for their company. But that's definitely something that I'm trying to, uh, you know, move away from. Although I still have mm -hmm. some clients, you know, that historically are like that. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm going forward much more on um, products, B2B products, services, and just higher end commercial, you know, bigger project. I personally love being on big sets, you know, where, mm -hmm. where there is, you know, there's 30, 40 people. And yeah. you know, I, I, I like managing those crews. I like working mm -hmm. with those people. I like being able to really focus as a director and as a producer on like, you know, getting that one shot really nice, you know, that, that where everything clicks together, you know. I love doing that stuff, mm -hmm. right? Being able to really work on the detail of a shot and even a story. I mean, if you take commercial, what is, you know, What's great with that format, you know, that very short format, is that you're telling us, you know, a full story. Sometimes, you know, pretty deep, uh, within a very, very short amount of time. And every, you know, every half a second count, right? Every oh, half yeah. second, maybe mm -hmm. a shot, and that shot needs to be perfect because even the back background, you know, uh, guy that you barely see will still and consciously subconsciously you know inform the audience of on what they're seeing mm -hmm. and what's going on and what the what that story is about right so that right. that level of details and and uh, that type of project is personally what you know uh what i find awesome to work on mm -hmm. and so that's definitely the type of stuff that i'm developing uh, and i'm trying to move forward on yeah yeah I, awesome, I think that's bro. that's you know we actually talked about a similar thing on a previous episode yep. where the the time constraint actually oh, you know God, I, was, how, how, I was waiting how much, to say that <laughs> yeah how how much that increases the challenge and how yeah. deeper you know how much deeper you have to go to convey that piece of the story yep. uh like like you were saying terry the, the guy way off in the background or uh you know th uh uh, appliances or things that are in the shot that are subconsciously moving people towards a conclusion about what the character's doing or where they're at in the story. You know, you have to go so deep when you've got that limited uh, amount of time to to tell the story. And and uh, I I can definitely relate, man. That's that's where you really get to dig in. You know, uh, and to, how to little details. the client sometimes understands that. Where I feel I've had a couple where we started off like being um uh having to create a one minute ad and then they're like well we just wanted to be 30 seconds so that should be easier i'm like no you just made it twice as hard actually like less time equals harder a uh, shorter time frame to get an idea across mm -hmm. so if any clients are watching this <laughs> like know that is so much harder and it is yeah. so annoying when you say that shit because it's like <laughs> it's not easier it's a lot harder or it's it's just less it's just less time to get the message across. Yeah, right. it's just it's, it's just different. Elaborate. Yeah, it's not a matter of time, right? Like it's a matter of content. Yeah. What what is it that you're trying to convey? What is it that you're trying What's to the showcase? Message? You yeah. know, the message that you know between thirty second, thirty seconds or three minutes, you could, you could 
you know, it depends on the pace. There's a world of difference. <laughs> yeah, but so it, but it doesn't. It, it's not a matter of length. I agree. I mean, I've had clients, you know, tell me the same thing. Yeah. Not necessarily easier, but like you know, oh yeah, it should be a little cheaper. Like, like to me, it doesn't yeah. make any difference. Like, okay, doesn't make any whatever. Difference. Show away. It's basically yeah, on right. one hand, I'm gonna have. Yeah, I mean, if we add like you know five scenes, that's one thing. But if the same scenes. Mm -hmm. You know, within a thirty second and a you know minute long, we still need to set up the same way. It's just my shots are going to be a little mm -hmm. longer. The pace may be different, you know, and that can that kind right. of stuff. But, uh. I I think a great example of that 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 I kind of relates to everyone is is the is social media apps. You, you guys remember Vine and how? Oh yeah. How crazy detailed storytelling got in five seconds. Yeah, man. Like I mean, yeah. just awesome Vine well, videos. Well, look at TikTok now, like, man. Yeah, well, from like a creative and messaging standpoint, yeah. I would watch some of those videos and just be like, damn, like <laughs> five seconds. They had five seconds to work with and, and, you know, had a hilarious little sketch in the five seconds or, you know, some some sort of like suspenseful thing in five seconds. It was just wild uh, for me to see that creatively, I, you know, and I, TikTok's it, got mm -hmm. a lot of the same. Yeah, uh, a lot of the same thing. Manny, I know you've been on that. Oh, top my gosh, way. man. That, <laughs> yeah. There's some there's some productions that have are now like on a 60 second TikTok. you know, they, they, they yeah. run a soap opera in 60 seconds. Yeah, that's competing with the Mexican La Rosa de Guadalupe, you know, like oh, that, Guadalupe. it's ridiculous <laughs> how in 60 seconds, someone can take that creativity and like compete against Televisa or like a bit, you know, it's right. like, damn, it's, it's all about the message and how you put it across and regulate right. it's and, and even, even now, uh, these, these shorter short form, you know, pieces of inf or entertainment like uh, Quibi and Quibi. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say like, it's it's kind of a strange time that like these short form, I mean, it, they're really short and I don't know how I feel about them yet because mm -hmm. I, I I don't know, I'm one of those people that like- It'll take time I to catch, Roger, maybe. Yeah, but like Roger Deakins was like interviewing, I can't remember who it was, it was like some other larger director and he's like yeah i just watched like thin red thin red line on my phone on the way here and roger deakins was like are you fucking serious you watched it on your phone do you know how insulting that is to me and I, I, and it, it is it's like this weird new thing where it's like how much information can you get in such a short time is that is that good is it bad i i don't know i i go back and forth with that a lot well that that's the that's the judgment thing again ian you know where it's like it, it's like trying to remove the the judgment from it and yeah. see see what the application is right and it it may not necessarily be good or bad it, it's just it's just it's entertainment different. it's different yeah <laughs> it's different. How, how does how does it serve the consumer right how how can we leverage it you know th those right. are the questions that come to mind f for me anyway do do i like to consume eight minute pieces of you know, entertainment content, not necessarily. No, you know, I, yeah, you know, but, um, you know, it, it's, what do you think, Terry? I see a, I see a thinking yeah, face. Yeah, what do you yeah. think about the, what do you think about the short form? Have you seen that stuff? I haven't seen that too much of that. No, to be honest, I don't really have a, I, I, I have some, I don't know. I can talk about, about the commercial aspect of things of the short, you know, that but like no i haven't seen really those stuff i you know i yeah I, I wish, it's like, still kind of emerging it is hard yeah, to stay up yeah. on these trends I mean, obviously I, knew, I know i know vine right and i agree i mean i think the oh, point yeah. is just like you know yeah you can i mean you can tell a story and here's how i would relate you can tell a story within half a second in one shot like a whole story mm -hmm. and if you want to test that out 
with a commercial, watch any, take any commercial and just watch the first shots. That's it. Mm -hmm. You know, just pause on the first shots and say and, you know, write down what you can what you can say about the the product, the location, the characters. And I can assure you that you can write a full paragraph on what's going on, what the product, maybe not what the product is in the first shot, depends on the, you know, the approach, but at least the characters and the house and like you can give them a whole lot of background story from that first shot because, you know, because they just have 30 seconds, again, they've had to like, you know, pick the right casting, right? It's the right person that has a specific look that's, that is dressed in a very specific way to convey a very specific type of person, right? Who demographic or whatever. Mm -hmm. That person lives within a specific house that is in a specific street that you can identify as being I don't know California San Diego or you know LA or the Midwest you know you can mm -hmm, place mm -hmm. it you can say how much money they're making you can probably say the type of job they're doing just from that first shot just try it next time <laughs> that's a yeah. yeah that's a really good point so so yeah so if you have, if you <laughs> yeah, have six really seconds like six Dissecting. seconds that's at least six shots right yeah you can say a lot of stuff yeah. in six shots yeah, and it's sure. and I think it leads to like that. That's such a good point because I mean it's so easy sometimes to get soaked up in like, well, we're going to do this, and then we're going to move on to the next thing, like so quickly because you know you're you're trying to get through with everything. But you're right, like you have to be super invested in every second that you're producing because somebody has to be able to tell a story in their mind instantly Interpret. of what's going to yeah. happen. Yeah, because the world is so there's so much information now. I'm just like boring. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm not I'm done. Like with this. Swipe. Yeah. Next. So I mean, yeah, Next. I haven't thought of that. That's that's definitely vital. Yeah. yeah the, shorter, awesome. the shorter, the shorter the content, the shorter the content, the more you you have to 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 you know to really get detail, right? Because mm -hmm. because you still need to say a whole lot of stuff. You need to place a story, right? A story can't just exist in thin air, right? It needs to be within right. a specific environment. You need to give backstory to your story, even if the story is super simple. That's what's going to give it depth. That's what's going to connect with people. You know, like even if the story is just like you know, moms taking their kid to school and just that walk, and even if nothing happens. I, as the audience, need to be able to connect to that to that mom, maybe to that neighborhood, maybe to that kid, maybe have a kid, you know, maybe they, they we're in the same demographic where, you know, I know moms like that. I know, you know, maybe that's my wife and my daughter, right? And all this stuff can be, I mean, there's different ways to do it, but there's a lot of visual ways to do it, right? Of, of mm -hmm. just location, talents, wardrobe, props, you know. Sounds, uh, effects. Yeah, yeah, sound, yeah. Lots, lots of stuff, right? So, yeah, you know, we're, we just, as creatives, I feel like it's on us to continue to like adjust to these new uh, formats and mediums as they continue to arise, you know, again, trying not, or at least I try not to judge them too hard up front because, you know, again, we've all, we've all done that and we've all seen those things emerge and then take over and then age up and everybody's on them. And then if you- And then you're do, crying. Yeah, and, and if you do judge hard up front and decide I'm not going to do that, then you're having to play catch up once these things become accepted and used exactly. by everybody, right? So exactly. trying to limit that judgment up front and maybe think of how you can appropriate it to help your business or, oh, yeah. or you know, whatever is, is probably not a bad look. But, uh, but yeah, you know, outside of that, um, we've had just a ton of great information, you know, on, on this one. Um, what are What are some of the some of the biggest things that, that we've kind of pulled from this, do you think? I, I feel like I really 
liked the concept of thinking of like for somebody starting off and and you know looking back had i gone the route that terry was talking about like that partnership Mm -hmm. and and also like getting a reel because i remember my first reel it was trash it was so (laughs) bad when you look back on it but if you have the ability to supplement that reel through a larger company or or whatever advantage like looking for advantages when you're first starting to collaborate to cl- to climb that ladder a little bit faster like look for those because you're you're cutting years off of your time as becoming a production agency or or studio or whatever and and making money like i mean mm-hmm. this is a creative aspect but like we got to make money and we, we have to all uh, do that to, to climb a, a little bit faster. So I, I thought that was really very valuable. Again, something I wish I had done uh, mm-hmm. myself even. What I, what I think uh, a bit, very big takeaway, and I'm glad that we like really hit it with a hammer on top of the head is like the not being a dick, you know, the <laughs> being, being friendly, being a genuine person, be, providing a service. Like you're getting paid to be on set, you know, bring it. You got it. Bring it. All right. Just just being being a positive person. I I really love that we touch base on that because we do uh, tend to be like missing out, you know, being egotistical or whatever. Sometimes those influences can 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 harm your brain or whatever. So just a good refresher. I really like that we touch base on that and that it provides that um, that stepping stool to get to a director's position, to get to a. Uh, a big name photographer, whatever you want to be in your career, you know, it, 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 it starts by doing that. Yeah. I think, you know, identifying those challenges, like you were talking about Ian, and then, you know, finding an efficient way to, to get past them. I, I think that's huge. And then the other thing I, I really, I really liked is that depth versus width, right? So getting, getting really good in your style, but also keeping the balance with the, with the width too, and making sure you're able to, you know, accommodate other projects and things like that and, and just keep that business rolling in. You don't, like Terry was saying, um, it's great to be really deep in your style, but if you get so singular um, that that's the only thing you do, you're, it's gonna cost you business. Um, it, it, you you yeah. will watch opportunity pass you by. Um, so I think that's a great thing to keep in mind. And Terry, you know, if, if you were if you were talking to someone, you know, if someone was sitting across the table from you and they were just kind of getting the wheels turning, you know, with their creative business, they've got they've got some some clients coming in the door. They're really trying to make it the only thing that they're doing. Uh, what would you say to somebody? I mean, I'm I'm gonna hammer the don't be a dick thing a, a yeah, little bit dude. a little bit more because I think it applies. You know, Manny mentioned the the you know on set and we talked. to bunch about you know that doing that on set but you know as a business owner that's key as well right Mm -hmm. and again Mm -hmm. specifically in our industry where I cannot you cannot you're not gonna judge uh, the service that we provide by by just looking at one specific thing that you can buy like a pair of sunglasses or a pair of shoes where you like okay you know this fits I like it it looks nice I don't care necessarily about the you know the owners of the business or how they operate, just this product is just cool for me, right? But because mm-hmm. in production, it, it doesn't exist, the product doesn't exist yet, right? It's all prototypes. So you have to, again, trust that 
this company, this team, this crew, this director, this producer, whoever is like in front of you as the client, uh, you know, is going to do a good job and they're going to mm -hmm. be able to provide something that is, you know, in line with your vision, with your strategy, everything. And so it's all about trust and trust starts by not being a dick, right? And by being nice, <laughs> right? That's how you establish, yeah. you, you know, you can establish a relationship. And so, mm -hmm. I mean, my, my one, one advice is like, yeah, establish those relationships, be nice, right? To like collaborate with people, just be a good person to be around with and people will want to work with you and, and, mm -hmm. and, and it's going to help you in so many ways. It's going to help you with your crew, it's going to help you with your clients, it's going to make it so that people come back and it's mm -hmm. also will, will dramatically help even when you mess up because mm -hmm. you know, you'll mm -hmm. get a lot more leeway uh, to That's mess where we up. Learn more That's from. If you if you're cool, right? If people Critical. like you, they're gonna be like, yeah. all right, you know, they're gonna accept the mess up. It's like, all right, well, yeah. this, you know, and you know how to p apologize for it too. Mm -hmm. It'll be, you know, you'll be able to overcome it. If you're not like that, even you know, even if you're the greatest, but the greatest, you know, maybe you'll get hired because you're the greatest. But the one time where you mess up and you just have an off day, then you know, you can be sure that you're gonna get a full wall in your face right mm -hmm. so yeah just work on your relationships you know and 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 work on your community and work on the you know and work on yourself to you know be a again a good person to be around with yeah for sure man and, and being you know being genuine to like you're talking about terry where you know if they know if if you have that relationship and they know that you are there to do work and you are doing your best and something happens that you know maybe just a little bit outside of your control or whatever but maybe you're still responsible for um and and it kind of goes to shit that relationship is going to be the barrier between oh yeah repeat business and you never talking to those people again oh yeah um so yeah. I, I i i couldn't agree more man it's such it's such a crucial thing for business in general, but for production specifically, um, because there are so many variables that at the end of the day, we are responsible for, um, but that we may not be in control of that second that could slip and, you know, again, kind of turn the project upside down, but uh, couldn't agree more, man. And um, Terry, where can, where can the listeners find you and uh, Helium Films USA? So heliumfilms.us is the website of the company. Uh, you can find there's a Instagram uh, page Helium Films USA at Helium Films USA. There's a Facebook page at Helium Films USA, which these days is pretty much the you know the Instagram being uh, copied there. Uh, my personal Instagram handle is at Thierry San Diego. Uh, and can yeah. you spell that for the folks? <laughs> T, so at and T H I E R R Y and San Diego, uh -huh. all attached. Thierry San Diego, yeah. at Thierry San awesome, Diego. Awesome, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thierry, that's, that's T-H-I-E-R-R-Y. <laughs> yes, T-H-I-E-R-R-Y, awesome. San Diego. And yeah, I mean, if anybody wants to, you know, reach out, you know, feel free, uh, you know, you can find uh, our contact information on the site. Uh, you can reach out on Instagram, whatever. So again, man, just hyping you up a little bit more, Thierry. Um, again, you know, working with great San Diego large companies like William Painter doing amazing uh, ads for them and winning Addy Awards, winning Telly Awards, multiple awards, you know, just a, a real, real Killing class it. act. And, and a leader. 
Yeah, and a, and a leader in our San Diego industry, man. So, you know, thank you again for that. And um, yeah, you, you can find Underexposure um, on Instagram and Facebook at Underexposure Podcast uh, and YouTube at Underexposure Podcast. We're streaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Anchor, anywhere podcasts are available. You can find the Underexposure Podcast. What I did want to say is that we did give a lot of examples that reflect like client and the, the, that type of relationship that if you're just tuning in right now, you can, you know, hit up any of those platforms that Kerry just mentioned and mm-hmm. go backtrack, you know, to episode one, two or three. I think three was the one that we talked about clients, but yep. yeah. just go in there. There's a bunch of knowledge. Author, we're about to build it in an encyclopedia, about to sell it online. I don't know what we're going to do with this, but you know, <laughs> yeah, just bro. go about back in there books. and bang, bang, bucks. just <laughs> hop on. You need it. Yeah, definitely check out those other episodes. Uh, we, we go deep into, yeah, uh, yes, sir. the Rona uh, clients. Um, we hopped on with uh, Rob Knopf last episode and man, having Thierry on this episode has just been, it's been an honor, man. Are we going to name this episode, Don't Be a Dick? Please. We I, should. I, I was going to ask you that. <laughs> that would please, be rad. Please, I would love to please, name this episode. Name it, I like the couple of times I was like, this would be a fire title. <laughs> it goes Done. like this. It goes like this. You'll be baptized. <laughs> <laughs> Done, man. So uh, you heard it first. This episode is officially named Don't Be a Dick with uh, Terry. <laughs> so, baptized. Um, so thank you everybody for listening and uh, for watching. If you're on YouTube, uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. And for episode five of Under Exposure, I'm Kerry Helton. Ian Harrington. See you later. Manny Aqua. Peace. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you guys.